Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. That's all I hear about now. That's all I hear. Turn on television. COVID, 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 COVID. A plane goes down. 500 people dead. They don't talk about it. COVID, 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 COVID. By the way, on November 4th, you won't hear about it anymore. COVID! COVID! Please don't go and vote, COVID. Please do not, under any circumstance, you cannot go out and vote. Aww. He's bummed out about COVID hurting his re-election campaign. Tragedy. <laughs> We're losing about uh, twice as many as that plane crash he mentioned a day now, uh, almost, uh, with uh, COVID. Yeah, poor him. Not only... Murphy is the president in complete denial about what is happening in the country, but his chief of staff was on television on Sunday, essentially acknowledging that they can't control it, as uh, everyone said after, seemingly running up the white flag on the thing. We're not going to control the pandemic. We are going to control the fact that we get uh, vaccines, therapeutics, and other mitigation. Why aren't we going to get control the because, pandemic? Because it is a contagious virus, just like the flu. Yeah, but why not make contag- efforts to contain it? Well, we are making efforts to contain it. By and, running and all over the country, not wearing a mask? Jake, that's what the vice president's doing. The- yeah, I'm just going to invoke the uh, Boehner rule that nothing good or wise comes out of the Freedom Caucus, and that's where Meadows is from. <laughs> Hey, look who's there. Is it the one and only? It, it is. is. The, our Super old guest. buddy, Rahm Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Dro- dropping in. All right, guys, let's have it. We're a week out. It's incredible. It's almost here. What say you right now? It's a week out from morning in America. I think the sun's going to... With, with or without a you. <laughs> no, I, I think that, you know, I keep coming back to this one thing is uh, who would you rather be, Biden or Trump? I'd rather be Biden. When you compare Biden to Hillary at this point, his negatives are lower, his positives are higher. He's above 50% in all, in nearly almost, well, definitely in the upper Midwest and near 50 in the, uh, in the Sunbelt states. Two, money, map, and message. You'd rather be Biden than Trump. And then I think that no president, uh, going back to Ken- Kennedy even farther, has ever won the presidency, losing independent voters, and Biden's up by uh, nine. And when I do all that checklist, and then I take my Ambien, I feel much better. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that is knowable today, one week out, is better for Biden than Trump. I don't care if it's polling numbers, intensity measures, fancy pants analytics, and I'm actually doing a magnificent, and luckily for our listeners, they can't see it, but an incredible happy dance jig right now. Because I'm so happy the Bloomberg guys, I've been bugging our friend Howard for weeks about Ohio. I'm obsessed with Ohio. I think Biden can win it. They count absentees in real time like Florida. So it would be a real political neck snapper form. And they're going in. They're going in to run the table in Ohio and Texas. So I'm very, very happy about that. Great final push by those guys. And, uh, you know, you never say you can tell the future, but everything I know today is pretty good for Biden. You guys, you know, I could just have, uh, having taken calls, and Ram, you do too, uh, for for every two minutes from bedwetters. <laughs> me uh, too, brother. Who, who, Believe me. You can't I've even give them phone. good. You can't give them good information because you can't give them positive information because they, then they say, you know, you're jinxing it. 
the half of them say, well, you, you know, you guys all said that four years ago. And the other is you changed it. Let me tell you one reason why it's not like four years ago. And then I'll give the, I'll give you some things to chew on that will make you uh, take another Ambien or whatever it is that you do. Um, there was a poll out yesterday, three, three polls actually, from the University of Wisconsin and YouGov in Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, all very strong for Biden, over 50 with a lead. Uh, but inside there's something that I thought was, this to me may be the most, these may, may be the most important numbers there are, and they, they are true nationally as well. But among voters who voted for third-party candidates last time, uh, Biden had a 29-point lead in these three states. Uh, remember how narrow those states were. The third parties actually made a huge difference there, the third-party candidates. There aren't those kinds of draws this time. And then among voters who didn't vote last time, Biden had an even larger lead of 30 five percent, which is, of course, uh, you know, this is the hope that the Trump people are hanging on is that the people who didn't vote last time, uh, you know, non-college whites will come out in droves and will will uh, change the architecture of this race. This data doesn't suggest that he's also doing he's in these three states less well among non-college whites than he did four years ago. So all of that should make people uh, who support Biden more more comfortable. I, I can tell from your breathless excitement about the data that you feel like it's in the back. No, no, no. Listen, man, I, 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 I actually think that's really important. Axelrod reading data plus an ambient can really work wonders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half our audience are trying to get dental surgery right now. They're a totally lot of out. People, a, lot of, a lot of people listen to my Axe Files uh, podcast right before they go to sleep. I have a calming influence. Uh, on, <laughs> can on I bring people. up one thing Murph did that I think is interesting, which is Bloomberg just went into Ohio and Texas. You're a week out. None of us have ever worked on a campaign where there was ever space available to buy advertising a week out. The one of the stories, not the major, not even the top five, but a story will be how Trump, an incumbent president, went into the final month broke financially. Yeah, I agree. He and I think there's, I think there's, it's not like it's for us weirdos, but it is going to be a, and I think there's going to be a lot of lawsuits and a lot of questions where the hell did the businessman lose his cash? And the fact that you can still go into a three, two big states a week out when things are supposed to have been bought for this week, like seven months ago, with no cash and there's time available, this is malpractice. This is uh, the buy sheet for the last week. Uh, Biden and, and affiliated supporting organizations uh, so far are spending um, $107 million. Trump and affiliated organizations, $48 million. Uh, dollars. And in, in Michigan, I think the edge is uh, about uh, th a little less than three to one uh, for Biden. In, um, in uh, Wisconsin, it's, uh, it's a, a, about the same, maybe two to one. Yeah, actually, it's even bigger. I mean, they they took millions we were spending in Florida and put it as pro Trump because it had Republican on the, you know. So, and a lot of the digital is not trackable, and the Democrats are crushing them there. So, yeah. But your point is true. But this is one of the reasons why the president is running around like a crazy man. 
mm-hmm. doing these town halls because he... <laughs> that and he's crazy. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, no. yeah. But let me ask you about this. First of all, we heard his COVID, COVID, COVID thing. There's one big story right now in this country, which is the resurgence of this virus. We've now, we're now exceeding levels we saw in the summer. And, you know, people are starting, sadly, the, you know, the cases are up and deaths follow. That number, that number is going up. We're over, well over 225, probably over 226,000 now. And he is doing this denial thing that he's been doing throughout. And so the question is, I do believe that there's probably value to him of doing these rallies, and I'll talk about that in a second. But what about the downside of them? What about the downside of going out and holding super spreader events, acts of willful defiance, and trying to impose his will as he has from the beginning, and just reminding people about how badly he screwed this thing up? Well, he's doing nothing to dig out of his hole, but he never does. You know, he's still running a Republican primary, and in that world— COVID is a Democratic snowflake issue that they whine about because they're not tough enough to, you know, breathe air. And so he's reinforcing the voters <laughs> he always, always, you know, has. He's turning them into a frenzy. But uh, as we all know, 44% in a frenzy is no better on Election Day than 44% yawning. So, you know, it's just Trump being Trump as the clock ticks by. And it's dumb. It's just really dumb. I think when you look the closing week, well, for two, th- two things. One, the reason he's doing rallies, I get it, is because of the earlier point. He can't, doesn't have any money to buy TV. So it's also a symbol of his political campaign weakness. It's not a strategy. Now, some people want to see it. Oh, he's got these big rallies. Yeah, he's got rallies because he can't afford TV. That's one. Two, I think that this, I think this is a larger issue, which is from climate change to COVID. The Republican war on science is a cultural issue that is opening up a group of voters who quote unquote are independent or soft Republicans who will never, who are going to continue to see the anti-science impulse of the Republican party as a long-term strategic cultural problem for them. And the other thing is this is a reality TV guy trying to bend reality to his will. And he's met a match. Well, and he also loves it. I mean, he, he, he yes. craves it. Yeah, it's it you know, he needs the affirmation. I mean, he's doing two hours. It's beginning to sound like, you know, the last uh, uh, comic uh, acts of uh, Lenny Bruce, you know, where he's just going up there and just talking about how unfair uh, the world is. And he's also doing the thing that I think is, is, uh, is just really, really dangerous. It's the only way we can lose, in my opinion, is massive fraud. And that's what that's what's happening, because all over the country, you're seeing it. Yeah, this is what a political death rattle looks like. You know, it's all about him talking to him. And But it's dangerous. I mean, this is dangerous. And, uh, you know, I don't know a governor I talk to who isn't worried about the aftermath of this if he uh, if he loses, because you're basically telling people the only way that I'm going to lose is if it is stolen from us. And, uh, you know, you you hear these wacky vigilante people out there talking about civil war. And so it's just so incredibly dangerous. But he does look energetic. Uh, like, I don't know what they're juicing him with after he had COVID, but he, he does look energetic. And, you know, look, when I was with uh, when we were doing the Obama campaigns, we were everywhere we were we wanted to show that we were working for it that we were working for every 
last vote. And, uh, you know, he's starting to uh, he's starting to uh, taunt Biden for not doing enough. And Biden was down. Uh, he was down during the debate week. He was down on Sunday. Yeah. Look, look, Trump Trump is winning optics because he doesn't care about COVID. So he can have the traditional look and it fills up cable TV for the 6% of America who, you know, is glued to that 8% when I'm on. Uh, so, but that's the price Biden's paying for, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point oh eight. Um, but that's the price Biden's got to pay for holding his bigger theme that is working on everywhere that, that he's the grown up on COVID. But I can see how that's part of the bedwetting equation. Cause you turn on TV, Trump's got a rally and Biden's not. Biden wandered out to uh, Chester, Pennsylvania late in the day unannounced to do an OTR and I assume that was in in part in response to to the taunting and he, you know and the bedwetting because you know a lot of it is coming from Democrats saying well where's our guy why isn't he out there now he's in Georgia today uh, for a couple of hits which and, is interesting. and let me just interrupt for our listeners OTR is sexy political hack talk for off the record in other words an event that you plan but you don't tell the media about it you go to a diner or something and you get it has a little more drama to it this is where Biden has done a smart thing it's a double edged sword which is more Trump doesn't necessarily mean better for Trump. Well, and letting that. Trump, right. expo- well, no, exposing Trump to the public for this final close, is this really what you want for four more years? This gets back to having said this, and I know I, you two have said this before, but the, the voters that are open to being moved between the two candidates are exhausted by Trump. And this is reminding them that this is what four more years is going to be like. And that's why it's while it's big rallies and it's closed and there's you could argue there's a picture of momentum. There is the picture of Trump. And that is not a winning argument. Yeah. When, when he can't change up his act, you know, it's the yeah. same. Damn I'm thing. not sure this is uh, I'm sure I'm not sure it's a net plus. Well, he's, ste- he's actually stepping on the gas. All right. Let's take a minute to hear from one of our esteemed sponsors. You know, Gibbs, every once in a while uh, on Twitter, people will write in and say, Axe, you make me nauseous. But nausea is nothing to joke about. It's like getting stuck in the back of a car and you're kind of a little bit hemmed in and you just you get that feeling and it starts in your stomach. It's not. Yeah. A and, and, and like you're on your way to something good, a, a celebration or party or something. And now you're nauseous and you can't get rid of it, except there is an answer now. And it's called Relief Band. Tell us about Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects. Zero for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to all of us. Here's how it works with Relief Band. It stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. If you know somebody who deals with nausea, Relief Band makes a great gift. I'm telling you, Relief Band works. We know from our own experience, we sent one to our engineer who often gets nauseous during our shows, and he reports 100% cure. 
Don't fall for those cheap bands you see in drugstores or on your Instagram feed. All right. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for our Hacks listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code HACKS, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D, Dot com and use our promo code HACKS for 20% off plus free shipping. The virus itself, one of the you think of things that might give you heartburn if you're a Biden supporter. Democrats are voting in large numbers uh, early, as expected. They've got an edge in most states. 62 million or more, 63 million people had voted by yesterday, and it's disproportionately going to be Democrats. What happens on election day uh, if this virus keeps kicking up the way it is? You got a public health emergency in Wisconsin already. You know, nothing good. And since Trump, at least in the polling as of today, is doing significantly better for election day voters than he is overall voters to the extent election day becomes a smaller part of the vote because COVID scares people away, it's worse for Trump, particularly in the upper Midwest. That's my question. Or alternative, uh, Ram will appreciate this, but the, you know, the kind of Jewish uh, alternative interpretation is the <laughs> Trump people are crazy uh, about this. I mean, they don't accept that COVID is a threat and therefore uh, they will show up, but the Biden voters who have waited to vote on election day won't show up. Uh, and that it will net out to Trump's favor. We're going to go into the Friday before Election Day. If you, th- I think at some point between 150 to 160 million people will have vo- will vote. That's about 20 million more than last time. Huge surge. Yep. Right, right. And you'll go into Friday if we stay on this pace. It's probably going to pick up. But if even on this pace, where about half the voters for the election will have already been, half the votes will already been cast. That is unbelievable. And the margins maybe get so big and take like one out of Texas, take Harris County where Houston is. You've now surpassed the entire vote. I think if I read the data correctly, for all of 2016 already have voted early in Harris County. And that's Biden vote uh, by uh, painting the county blue. So I would say, that is good for Democrats. And I do think one of the, at least if I've read the Republicans and consultants arguing with Trump, stop telling people not to vote by mail because we have historically done better that way. Yeah, we love vote by mail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is like the Luftwaffe decided to bomb Berlin. You know, so, okay, <laughs> great. Another, we, another move. Wait a second. Murph, 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 yeah. wait a second. We would like, as both the two Jews on this show, who were called by Bibi Netanyahu as self-loathing Jews. Can you leave all World War II and Berlin <laughs> metaphors uh, off, okay? What? How do you know I'm us. not Irish-Jewish, by the way? <laughs> who knows the secrets of my family? Um, yeah. Great-grandmother Becker. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> on, your, on, your, uh, on your point, in that same poll of those three battleground states, of people who already voted in Michigan, Biden had 75%, Pennsylvania 87 Wisconsin 73%. The people not yet voted, uh, Trump was winning 57-35 in Michigan, 59-38 in Pennsylvania, 57-39 in Wisconsin. Those margins aren't enough. 
to catch up, uh, you know, if uh, if all of this holds. David, I, I'm literally starting to worry about you <laughs> with these. No, let's just take the week off and count the fucking votes. It's OK. It's OK, man. Put I got to keep put myself the crust busy. Tabs down. So, OK, but here. So here's my last thing. Axelrod, ambient. Yeah, here, here's my last. Uh, here's my last thing. Get weather um, patterns into this now. <laughs> there are there is one place where where Biden is underperforming in the polls, and that is with minority voters, black and Latino voters. Uh, he, um, you know, he he is underperforming where Clinton was in 2016, and you know this has been a focus of Trump uh, to try and cut the margin there. Um, I think Biden's in the 50s among Hispanic voters. Hillary got 66. He's uh, you know, around 80, she got 89. Now, maybe that all comes together in the end. Um, but that is, you know, that is part of the long shot strategy of, uh, of Trump. And I do think there's something about Trump's persona uh, that, may, that may have some appeal in, in, in some elements of that community. They've been targeting young African-Americans. They've actually got some things to say. They've spent a little money from their, you know, diminished and and uh, defunded pile of cash. But l- if you look at the Electoral College, wh- where where does that kill you, underperforming a bit from the Democratic number? With Latin- not in Michigan, not in Wisconsin, a little bit in Pennsylvania, not as much. It would hurt you in like a Colorado. Florida's the place. And there it's really about Miami-Dade. If you look in, in Orlando, where Biden's doing quite well, it, it's Miami-Dade. Older Cubans who remember a certain president with an I love Fidel tattoo. We won't get into that. But there's a little bit of pushback down there that Biden, who has benefited from his association with the Obama administration, has a little headwind. So that's the thing to watch on election night. Their Miami hope is that Dade, they can make it up with Puerto Rican uh, in voters in, in, in that I-4 corridor. And right. uh, that that is where uh, Barack Obama is today. Uh campaigning there is some numbers out that have the president doing around 12 percent among african-american voters and kind of low he got 30s. eight last time yeah mm-hmm. spent, yeah got eight last time i actually think one of the stories when we're done will be how and it's interesting to me historic looking at the summer what happened in minneapolis what happened in kenosha what happened in portland oregon that the story of how well biden has done among white voters and how well the president has done among minority voters, specifically men under the age of 35 in the two communities. And it breaks the norm of where you think things are, have been, and what's happened. Uh, And the truth is the president, um, at least among minority men under the age of 35, has done better than the, the individual groups themselves and with very specific targets. And that has to do with both culture as well as economics, obviously. And on the flip side, Biden is going to probably set the all-time Democratic record for college-educated voters. And yeah. seniors and rural. Not, not a record. No, but you're, no, Murphy's right. And also, he is cutting into the college, uh, non-college whites. Yeah. You know, there's no poll that you look at where, he, where Trump is making the numbers uh, that he made four years ago. And that's why he is... That's why he's becoming more incendiary uh, in his final. I mean, he's he's trying to arouse so that. Here's group. a question for you guys on that. If Trump is going to overperform, which, I, I, you know, I, 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 I'm torn on that. I think it could. 
On the other hand, the big anti-Trump wave, I think it is a little underestimated and may materialize a little bigger than we think. But if he's underperforming with African-Americans under 40, Kamala Harris, you know, where, where's the upside to her? Was she the right choice or was she kind of average? So you're you're back to Gina Raimondo. Uh, is... We'd be doing better. <laughs> I'm telling you, pure technocrat. That's the message of the race. Actually, Murph, I think that uh, while I think people got the identity politics on the analysis of her selection slightly wrong, which is she dramatically helped among suburban college educated women. And less so African-Americans. So it's really a little more complicated than first look. And money. You yeah. can see his money took off after he after he Enthusiasm chose went big. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. Biden, when he met with the press yesterday, he gave a little travelogue of where he was... uh, where he's going. I'm going to be going to Iowa, I'm going to Wisconsin, I'm going to Georgia, I'm going to Florida, and maybe other places as well. I've met today with a group of leaders in the Democratic Party laying out where we're going to go, getting their input and the like. So we're constantly, there has not been a day that hadn't been a 12-hour day yet. I am not overconfident about anything. I just want to make sure we can earn every vote possible. That's why we're here. And you know that that blue wall is going to be has to be reestablished. Georgia, really interesting where he yeah. is today. Speaking at Warm Springs, which was the uh, re- retreat for uh, President Roosevelt, uh, but you hear from both sides that that state is very much in play. Uh, and you know, the, he uh, Trump won it by five last time. Uh, polling, you know, uh, Biden seems to have a, a a little bit of an edge there right now. Yeah, and the senator, the scat cat senator, um, the Purdue, who was having all the the cheap shottery with Kamala Harris's first name, is in a real race. So I think they're probably hoping to put the put the kibosh on him, as we say in Ohio. Look, that's the state that's changed. I used to work there. I did a couple of statewides. The new Georgia man, the demography has really changed. It's yeah. going the route of a Virginia. And they're they're in the hunt there because again there's there's Trump who, you know, depending on how he does with younger African Americans, that could be the difference because he's sure getting killed in the suburbs, which now rule Georgia politics for the most part. I agree with you. I think the trip to Georgia is yes, he's competing in Georgia, uh, and the trip to Iowa, yes, he's competing in Iowa, but he's also trying to lift uh, Senate candidates there who are in close races, and it does help. The better the presidential candidate does there, the better the Senate candidates are going to do there. There's a real uh, link to that. Speaking of the Senate, uh, they, as expected, confirmed uh, Justice Barrett, now Justice Barrett, uh, yesterday. Uh, first, a, a, a read on your part. I, I want to play a little clip from Mitch McConnell on this, but before we... Well, let's play the, the clip, actually, from McConnell. Something to really be proud of and to feel good about we made an important contribution to the future of this country. A lot of what we've done over the last four years will be undone sooner or later by the next election. It won't be able to do much about this for a long time to come. 
So I thought that was interesting on, in two respects. I think, you know, McConnell views this as a, 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 a signature accomplishment of his. Obviously, Trump now put three Supreme Court justices, going to change history, you know, depending on where you sit for, for better and, or worse. And we can quarrel about that another time. But I thought McConnell's tone was interesting. It was like, you know, the next election may undo a lot of what we do, yeah, we've done, but knows. it can't undo this. He didn't sound yeah. like a guy who was terribly confident about either the presidency or the Senate. He's a shrewd politician. He follows the polling. He knows how much trouble the caucus is in. And he's a conservative, and he's happy to have conservative judges on the court. You know, from his point of view, hey, we won the elections. We have the votes. Now we got the judge, and we made an ideological impression, which is what we are elected to do. I'm sympathetic to that argument from him. I just think the party is in kind of a karmic debt and the idea of this last minute shoving a judge through, even though under normal circumstances, either party would do it. But because of Trump, we've done so much to the public institutions now. It's just good government. Mike doesn't like it. I hated that pep rally at the White House afterward. Conservative Mike is happy to have a conservative judge. So I'm very torn on this. Does the principled Mike ever show up? No. Uh. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, Captain Chicago. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not taking any lectures. That's not on hacks or on tap, anyway. Yeah. If you start talking about yourself in third person, there's a doctor for that. Okay, Murph. <laughs> I'm just recommending that. Uh, here's here's what I think is uh, I'm because now I'm gonna since we can talk about it. The political rom thinks no. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think Mitch McConnell will go down as one of the worst Senate uh, leaders because of what he's done to not just the uh, institution of the court, but also the institution of the Senate. And uh, in that effort, he's destroyed any sense of comedy. And that's why if there's a reform to be done between expanding the court or ending the filibuster, the filibuster has destroyed the Senate as a legislative body. Get rid of it. I didn't start there and make sure that it can legislate uh, and be effectively. That's one reform that I'd be for. McConnell, to your point, he knows politics. And uh, and what he's basically seeing is and one of the things that I would say that everybody in Washington always underestimates when you have a wave election, it's always stronger than you think. That's what happened in 80 when Birch by George McGovern, yeah. Frank Church went. It's also true what happened in 94, 06. Bush said he never saw that. That's why he said it was a thumping. And what happened in 2010. So uh, McConnell has been around long enough to know. That when a wave comes, it rips up the roots of trees, takes off roofs, throws cars, and it's more likely that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, that's the key question. Do we think this is a wave election? Because you can't tell. The polls, that's right. they give you hints. And to me, I'm feeling like it could be. I really am. But, I, you know, you can't know till it happens. A big wave election. The one thing is, I thought it was weird that beyond the prediction of what will happen is that he taunted the Democrats kind of like on the loser's walk back after the Barrett thing. I thought that was for whatever type of relationship supposed to exist in the Senate. I thought that was just from an institution, a very, uh, you know, you really, you won. You don't usually poke the loser in the eye on the, uh, after the vote. Cause I think it was a prelude to losing. You right. know, I think he was poking him not about the judgeship, but and yeah, there was it was like, you can't do anything about this. But I think yeah. there was an element of uh, he, he knows what's coming and he, you know, he's not all that happy about it. But uh, I have to say, earth. I mean, I, on, on the on the Senate, you can count up to four. You can count up to five. You need a wave. 
you need a you way to get control. to get beyond yeah. that. And uh, and I'll tell you, that's really important to Biden. I mean, Ram, you remember uh, our experience. We had large numbers of Democrats when uh, Obama got elected, but because of the filibuster, governing became very difficult. And then after the wave in 2010, it was really done in many ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Biden, this is a this is kind of an existential question for the Biden presidency, whether or not he has control of the Senate. He's got a huge stake in this. So going to these states, I think, like I said, is more than just trying to win for himself. Well, it's a week out. Let me let me pin you two operators down, because the truth is we don't know. Murph, can I say one thing, though? He's trying to pin us down. Yeah. Uh, no, no, go ahead, Ram, and then I'll pin you down. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Hey, here's what I do think. <laughs> we recognize that. One is, if you don't have an election that gives you the Senate, Biden's smart enough to know, you can say Green New Deal, you can say Medicare, you can say public options, you can say whatever you want. They control the Senate, it will be yeah. Death Valley. Right. And that's why where he's going, how he's going, and getting him that is key. And I, and I think it's essential. Now, the real question we haven't untangled, and maybe this is what uh, Professor Murphy was getting at, which is, what do you look for before an election to decide whether it is a wave or a, just a strong current uh, in that election? No, that's not what he was trying to put. Is, is that what you're trying to pin us on? I thought you were going to ask us who, who about the Senate race. Well, I've got a, uh, I'm going to go into the Bob Dole thing. Mike Murphy has a question, but Mike Murphy has an analysis. <laughs> because Mike Murphy, My question is for you guys who've been around a little. We all know that what really defines a wave is that the polling the week before was kind of bullshit, and it's one huge jump better even than that, which does show it closing. So 50-50 odds, kind of one side or the other, knowing we can't know for sure, but if you had to bet a dollar, would you bet wave, which means, you know, not only the Senate by one, but maybe the Senate by two or not wave close could go either way. I would say wave. How do you describe wave? What's what would the margin be? It would be Biden over 340 in the Electoral College. So he's going to pick up a Georgia, uh, a Florida, and he's not going to lose the Midwest. And the Senate, you guys win majority, but not tied by like at least plus one. So, you know, the Bullocks of the world or a. Uh, a Lindsey Graham, some of the races that you shouldn't. But what win in, normally, in terms of vote? What in terms of vote? Like what percentage do you think he would need to to facilitate? I, I think Biden's going to win, and you know I'm only saying this because I know this. No one is going to hear this, and it's not recorded, so I feel safe in uh, right, saying it. Exactly. But I mean, I, right now I'm looking. The what I'm looking at says to me that Biden's going to win nationally by seven or eight points. That would translate to me into you know pretty substantial. Uh, electoral college victory 332 347 whether or not that is enough to sweep in more than five and re remember i don't think alabama's coming so right they need... so how about net five you know net five after alabama or who knows maybe alabama has a magic lightning bolt which trippy keeps insisting yeah here it is i'll put it i'll put it down it's over 300 electoral votes and it's 5149 senate I'll go with you. I'll lay money, but I'll put them up at least three thirty electoral votes. But you agree on the Senate? Yeah. If I had to, if I had to guess, my my gut is yeah. more wave than. Well, that's not all wave, we're doing. My point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm taking the wave side. I'm taking the wave in Senate majority and double digits in the House too. I would go higher than you, Murphy, on electoral votes of uh, above three thirty. Um, yeah, I'm. But above I do think the Senate. I think. I think the. I thought you were at 330. No, no, no. I'm saying above 330. 
I'm seeing 350, you know, big. Above 330. I'll 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 agree to that. How about this? You guys are vigorously agreeing with each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the other way to do it is is the Trump under 200. Let's not argue about that. Sir. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. You know, the Arizona race is tightening up a little. I still think Kelly wins that race. The Colorado race, Hickenlooper, I think, wins uh, that race. All right, Susan two. Collins, I think, will lose primarily because they have ranked voting mm-hmm. in uh, in Maine, and that's going to work uh, against her. That means that there's an independent candidate on the ballot, and if people make uh, Gideon, her opponent, the second choice, uh, right. then Gideon wins. So I think she... Uh, probably loses north carolina's tight yeah you know they're gonna have ranked voting in the presidential race too that's being litigated but uh it could you know that could sweep the second district in right uh to for for biden but after that you know north carolina because of the problems that cunningham has had has become a a, a tighter race i think Iowa's a toss-up uh you know Joni ernst uh and and greenfield there in a wave she goes down though in a wave, she goes down. And then after that, you know, you really need a lot of forward momentum, I think, to— Well, you uh, need to get lucky in Georgia or Montana. And Georgia's and, more likely to go to runoffs, which are going to be harder yeah. for Democrats. I bet you we come out of Georgia with one. Yeah, Ossoff, huh? Yeah, Purdue loses. Purdue's going down. Hmm. All right, well, we solved that, America. You don't even need to watch election night. It's an important thing— to uh, watch, I, I you know who should be watching that. I, I mean, I know a lot of the financial folks may you know they they're worried about their tax cut, you know, losing their some of their tax cuts and so on. But um, by people should want Biden to be able to get his economic program through uh, quickly if he's elected because it it will jazz the economy and it will accelerate. The recovery, and if he is thwarted, uh, I think that has economic ramifications. This is a huge deal. This control of the Senate is a huge deal. You know, I agree with that, but I want the Senate Republicans to be just scary enough to put some limits, even in minority, on what Biden can do. Just because otherwise, Which Murphy the House, wants that. The House, all Murphys, the patriotic Murphy, the Murphy who, <laughs> the Murphy who took <laughs> economics courses wants that. Because I don't want the AOC wing to, to drive Biden off a cliff because I think they're going to treat him like a lame duck. The nature of the candidates who are going to be elected assures that. I mean, a Mark Kelly, uh, you know, yeah. it's not Hickenlooper. These are not left candidates. So I am a survivor of seeing the wackoids in a primary take over and drive a party crazy. And I just think you guys haven't really tasted what might be coming. We've lived through it in Republican world at great cost. When you look at Georgia and Texas, as an example of states that are beginning and, you know, Georgia and, and North Carolina are feeling the gravitational pull of Virginia and separating from Mississippi and Alabama. You're going to rue the day that in that tax bill, you eliminated the state and local deduction. Because it shoved, took all the Democrats yeah. out of out of. Hey, I'm yeah. a California taxpayer. I'm with you on that. I know all the Democrats out I of know. Massachusetts, out of New York, I out know. of Illinois, and sent them into these yeah. states. And now we yeah. basically we parachuted behind enemy lines, and we're flipping <laughs> states because of this tax proposal 
It was all punishment to the blue states, and I, were, and I can't wait to dance on that grave. <laughs> hey, I'm with you on salt. That is a piece of the soul suburban deal. Without oh, totally. a doubt. Yeah. Beyond, I mean, there's there's anti-science, there's me, a, a racism, open, the Republican parties, xenophobia, anti-Semitism, misogyny, and racism has caught up with them. And then you throw in on top of it, a little sprinkling of Democrats who are fleeing because of salt, and you, you got Georgia in play. I can't thank you guys. And you know, Murphy, just on this point, you're, I know you have PTSD from what happened to your party, but your party shrunk itself. And it, it seems like the Democratic Party is growing its base uh, along the lines that Ram was just talking about. And the growth is in the suburbs. And they're going to pick up in the House, I, I believe, 10 or 12 more seats. And a lot of them are going to be in suburban areas. You have a real large core of uh, center-left suburban members uh, in the House who are going to be pretty powerful. Yeah, look, I agree on the 10 to 14 in the, in the House side. But I'm just telling you, you guys should not pin a medal on yourselves for the suburbs. General Trump helped you win that battle. So if we ever get back to normalcy, which is a big question, um, we'll see. We'll see. Don't underestimate your progressives. That's all I'm saying. Bernie's already announced his big plan. They're there. They're strong. Don't don't overestimate your ability to get back to normal. <laughs> well, we'll see. Here's the thing, though, on, on what's happened in the, in the suburbs. Look. There is, and it's pretty clear, a metro majority emerging between urban and suburban. We got to be smart about it. And the, the big difference here, you're right about the, the fact is the Democratic primary voters, not the leaders of quote unquote groups, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Democratic primary voters picked the most pragmatic general election candidate when a lot of groups said not Joe Biden, et cetera, not this guy is a throwback to bipartisanship. He was exactly the right temperament and DNA of decency. You wanted for the general election, yeah. And our voters, but a lot, that was ahead. defined by Trump. That was defined by Trump. Well, also that that is all true, but but uh, until African American voters showed up, that was not happening in the primary. They they were there, and African American voters uh, uh, on the whole are more moderate than people give, give that. That is true, uh, you know. But the second thing that happened was that there was a big moderate voters were searching for their candidate. Uh, when Bloomberg went down, Biden was the only one left standing. He was the guy they saw as someone who could defeat Trump. And I also do think there was, you know, the, the Democratic electorate is a center left uh, electorate. It's in, in, in the main, I mean, in the majority. It's not a it's not a, a, a hard left. The problem to solve our caucus and the kind of uh, new Democrats are the largest caucus in the congressional. League. The other thing is. Today, after the, I guarantee after this election, when you count it up, there will only be nine congressional districts, lower than, less than 10, I'll say, congressional districts were uh, re represented by a Republican that have a college education level above 50%. The Republican Party has taken, if you got a four-year degree, they have shoved you into our arms. Now, the question for us is, are we going to make this election transactional or transformational? And that's what the Biden presidency has to figure out politically. That's why Murphy hates free tuition. No, no, that, that's why <laughs> Murphy is. Murphy is. Uh, I hate free anything from government. I, uh, I'm, I'm leasing, not buying. We're see. I am rooting for a successful, you know, centrist Democratic Party. But I think you guys, you sound a lot like we did in 2015. We're see. We're see. We thought the populace could stay bottled up, and we were wrong. But let's see. We don't know. We're going to watch it, and then we have a lot to talk about.
what 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 was seems like crazy left progressivism to you, Mike, like a public option in healthcare and some of these other things. I support that, and I hope that 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 we uh, uh, you know that we move in that uh, direction. So one of the things that happened is more moderate is uh, you know what what used to seem uh, like way left has now become more moderate. And I don't think that's just among left Democrats. That's among the populists themselves. There's a lot of support uh, for some of these initiatives. Hey, we got to go on to the mailbag here. Yeah, and I got to get uh, on to my Singapore visa application here, if that's true. So yeah, mailbag. <laughs> well, anything we miss. I will we, help you fill did that Did we sum up the court? Did we sum, no, come on here, Trotsky. Did we, did we sum up the court? Any impact? I don't think so. No. We kind of went astray on that. Anybody think that's a big factor? Everybody who's jazzed by it, I think, was voting anyway, and they know how they were voting. So This comes down to the every time the Supreme Court was going to turn out the base, didn't show up. You know, there was so many times that the Republican Party predicted this will be it. Kenosha, Minneapolis, going to be law and order, et cetera. It hasn't happened yet, and we got a week to go. The big impact was yet again Trump blocked himself from a comeback in the suburbs. Do we have the mailbag here? Let's go Let's number 10. No, no, we got to play the music, actually. We got rules Oh, I'm here. sorry. Play, play the music. It's listener mailbag. Quick plug. If you have a question for the hacks, send it to us at hacksontap at gmail.com. Hacksontap at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us Spotify or Apple Podcast. It really helps. Andy says, as Pennsylvania looks more likely to be the tipping point state, can you explain to me how big of an issue fracking is to the electorate there, Mike Murphy? Well, fracking is jobs. <laughs> fracking is also unpopular in some communities because it's scary. Uh, but fracking is, fracking is not a laser sword. That's why Biden backed off so quickly when it appeared at the debate. He was calling for it to end forever. It's really not a winner for either side. It just kind of depends where you are in the state. There are other things that are going to move Pennsylvania. There are 35,000 jobs associated with it there. You know, Trump obviously seized on it. He, he wanted us, and he was talking about it yesterday in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Democrats there would have liked Biden to phrase that answer differently because he's talking about a 30-year phase-in of uh, renewable energy. But, you know, I, 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 I don't think that's going to tip Pennsylvania. So, uh, it, Andy, if you're concerned about that one way or the other, I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, Ram, yeah. a uh, listener named Gretchen. Hey, Gretchen. Said, I set up a recurring donation to the Biden campaign and have occasionally donated in response to a text. However, I keep getting texts and emails claiming that the campaign really, really, really needs money. While everything I hear elsewhere suggests that it's extremely well-funded. What's that all about? Why do campaigns sound as if they're about to go broke, even when they're swimming in funds? I ask you this as one of America's great fundraisers. Because once you're, once you're in, the, it's like the mob. Once you're in the family, we never let go of you. <laughs> yeah, you ever see Dracula say, okay, enough blood. <laughs> Actually, Gretchen, if you're listening, give to your favorite 10 Senate candidates. Yeah, well, even there, what, you know, Jamie Harrison yeah. raised $57 million and you still get frantic... Uh, emails from that campaign. Uh, can, campaigns like to have money. I think that if I were Schumer, I'd ask these candidates to give some of it back and apportion it. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, think Jamie's, I think Jamie's the first Senate candidate or any candidate ever to set up a, their own personal super PAC. Yeah. I would <laughs> just tell our listener, go to the Florida State Party. You can give them a little money for turnout and they, their store 
has the coolest Biden T-shirt. You can buy one of those and help out in Florida. No pitch for Republican voters against Trump? Well, now that you bring it up, rvet.org. <laughs> All right. This is from Mel. There are a few. Oh, look at this. We're doing. We're, I know why you wanted this question. Mel asked, there are a few polling organizations that are clearly slanted far to the right. There are a few on the left, too. I'm thinking of Trafalgar and Rasmussen. You didn't say that. You put that in there. In particular. I, I put it in there, a little editorial yeah. Uh, license. Yeah. So anyway, he's naming Trafalgar and Rasmussen. Somebody's been reading the uh, Real Clear Politics polling average. Uh, these, po- in, these pollsters in particular that are way out of line with the other polls, they're often polling Trump's approval rating way out of line with the other polls, 10 points and more skewed towards Trump. Is there motivation to make people think there's a surge happening so is it is it scam polling scam polling i don't know about it's true rasmussen i mean the the polling averages are eight and nine points today they have the race at two uh Trevaldor is is usually uh, more so and look it's all about how you model the race and how you weight uh, various constituencies and it's very easy uh if you if your assumption is that fewer minorities are going to turn out and that uh uh, you know, and you overweight uh, other constituencies that favor uh, Trump, you can, uh, the numbers can come out differently and they can methodologically make their case for why it makes sense. And look, they, they ended up looking good in 2016. But the best way, Mel, uh, to view these public polls is really the polling averages. Uh, you know, nationally, they were within a point of the result in 2000 and uh, and 16, uh, Hillary got won by a little over 2%. She was polling a little over 3%. And, uh, you know, the state polls, I think, are better this year, but I'd look at the averages of those uh, as well. And I, I suspect that they're going to be pretty close to uh, to where we wind up. I would just say we're a week out, put the polls down, wait for the election. Now, I want to quickly address Barbara really quick. That's a good point. Yeah, how to explain exit polls. I've been a voter for 40 years. No one asked me a thing. Who pays for them? Blah, blah, blah. The networks all come together in a consortium. What exit pollsters do is take key precincts that are a good statistical model of, a, of the states that swing, and they have somebody there interviewing voters as they come out. They also do a huge telephone poll right now in the week before the election to talk to people who voted by mail and voted early. And they put it all together in a model and they make a prediction that is never exact or perfect, but is kind of interesting. And then after the election, they adjust it all to reality. So political scientists can look back at who voted. They provide a useful service, but they only talk to maybe 40,000 people in an election of 150 million, but done right. Statistical science means that'll give you a, a decent, but not exact idea what happened on election day and in the, absentee mail-in vote. Though more complicated, obviously, in an election where so many people are voting early. They're doing in person now for the first time of, of those early votes. But it's tricky. It's very hard to do right, and it's not exact. Right, as we've learned. <laughs> uh, and, totally. And, okay, let's get to uh, last call. It's last call. Jared Kushner was out yesterday, and, you know, the president's made a... Uh, he is the uh, greatest president for... Um, for uh, the black uh, community since possibly Abraham Lincoln. He said he, he still allows that he might be better than Lincoln, I guess. Yeah, it's a close call. Yeah, but uh, Jared Kushner was out yesterday and uh, was uh, talking about this, and here's part of what he said. President Trump's policies are the policies that can help people break out of the problems that they're complaining about, but he can't want them to be successful more than they want to be successful. 
All right. So first of all, the problems that they're complaining about, how about the problems that they face, the problems that they're living? But the bigger point is the the admonition at the end that, you know, they have to want to be successful. That's the problem that people aren't aspiring high enough. And uh, it's not systemic racism. It's not the lack of access to quality education. It's not any of those things. It's lack of motivation. And that is an, an offensive message, especially coming from a, a trust fund guy <laughs> who was handed everything. Yeah, the only thing Jared's ever had to aspire to is a good estate lawyer to try to inherit more <laughs> cash. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure that that uh, moved the ball forward for the Trump campaign in their in their expressed effort to win m- m- over black voters. I will say two things. One, thank God we won't have to see Jared Kushner's smirky smile in the future. And second, I give Jared Kushner and Mark Meadows the award for actually saying the truth, which they should never have said from their perspective. They told you what they actually think, and both of them are fools for it. Mark Meadows were going out and saying, we can't control COVID, like throwing up the white flag. And Jared Kushner for giving this elitist total, as you said, silver spoon kid perspective on what it takes for economic uh, self-improvement. Yeah. Whenever I see Jared, I think of, I saw Rickles, the great Don Rickles once in the nineties. And there was kind of a good looking young guy and his, his attractive wife in the front row. And Rickles looked down and said, Hey, you, what's your name? Larry, Larry Klein. Oh, nice Jewish kid. Uh, what do you do? I'm a businessman. Yeah. What happens when your father-in-law dies? So, <laughs> I think the classic idiot son. Mine is quick. I put this out in a tweet at Murphy Mike. It was a little note to the the apparatchiks of the Republican Party in the state parties and in the RNC uh, who know that Trump's a fraud. They're waiting for this to be over. They're not in a point in their career where they can quit. But I'm telling them quietly, tools down on the rally turnout. Turn off the mass phones. Turn off the mass emails. Trump will never know. And you know the rallies are not going to change the outcome of the campaign. And you're helping people get COVID. This is on you. Let's turn down the turnout machine because it's serving no good purpose. And you all know better. And that's a quiet resistance you can do. And I've gotten some great feedback from people in the machine that totally get that. And uh, it's an honorable thing to... uh, to do a little subversion at this point on that rally turnout. Yeah, amen. Maybe you can save a few lives. It would be good. All right, guys, we're getting close. Rom, thank you. Great as ever. Thank you, guys. Right. Talk to you later. X, we will be we'll be getting together on Monday next week with a special election preview, right? We'll know. We will open up all the envelopes, uh, refine our discussion from today, tell people what to look for on election night, as they're looking for clues to how the thing is going. And uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, we're going to check the very famous OWMT poll, which has only done the last weekend. It has been historically a, a great predictor. So we even have some last-minute numbers for you. All right. We uh, will see you soon. All right, pal. Take care. Bye. Bye.